Well, good morning. I'm Alvin Litonwa, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Redeemer. Would you open your Bibles with me in Psalm 27? We will be reading from verses 1 through 14. Psalm 27, verses 1 to 14. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. I will offer in this tent sacrifices with joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not. O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let us go to God once again in a short prayer. Heavenly Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The setting of Psalm 27, who was penned by David, is a little bit unclear. Several views were suggested, though, in its setting. Some believe that this was penned when King Saul was pursuing or persecuting David. Some believe that it was the time when David was fleeing away from Absalom, his son, who was seeking his demise. Some say he penned it when he was old and weak. And from the sword, he almost died from a giant Philistine, if not for Abishai's intervention. That's in Second Samuel 21. The men urged David after this to not go with, him, with them in battle ever again because he is now weak and old. Some believe it was before he was anointed. Though we are unsure on the immediate context of this song was written, we see throughout the psalm imageries of war and battle. 
using words like army and enemies and adversaries, uh, people who seek to destroy David. With this depressing situation, we can tell that David is at his weakest. He's anxious, terrified, and unsure of what the future might hold. Yet in the midst of all these tribulations that he is facing, we see in verse 14 a spark of hope, a spark of confidence in his tone. He declares, wait for the Lord and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. David here is courageously exhorting himself to wait on the Lord. He, is, he waits with anticipation. He waits with continued trust. He waits with, without wavering his faith. He waits for the Lord's deliverance. Maybe you're here this morning and you can identify with David. Maybe you too are also waiting on the Lord's deliverance. What are you waiting on? the Lord. What are you waiting on this 2017? Maybe you're here today and you've been in Dubai for months applying for a job. A lot of your time and energy and resources have already been spent on visa runs and still waiting on a job. And so you wait. You wait on the Lord. You've been working faithfully for years in your company and you're working heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And you're waiting expectantly for a raise or promotion to happen anytime until, to your surprise, someone undeserving got it. And so you wait. You wait on the Lord. Maybe you just lost your job. And you do not know what's next for you and your family. Should we stay or should we go? And yet you wait. You wait on the Lord. As a couple, you've been married for many years now and you've been trying to have children. You've seen several doctors, had taken a lot of medications, went through a lot of therapies, and still nothing. And so you wait on the Lord. As a single person, you've been praying and reserving yourself for that special someone that the Lord one day will be introducing to you. And now, it's been years. And so you wait. You wait on the Lord. You're here probably this morning and you've been faithfully praying and sharing the gospel to a loved one. And every time you share the gospel to this person, this person or this group of people mock you. And rejects Christ. Yet you wait. You wait on the Lord. Or maybe you're here today. And you're a full time minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you've been laboring on the Lord's harvest for years in the UAE. And still no fruit. Yet you wait. You wait on the Lord. What are you waiting on for the Lord? from the Lord? Relationships to reconcile? Freedom from financial burdens? Or maybe, or maybe you're in pain. 
You're, you, you have this chronic disease or you're fighting cancer. You, you're, your body is aching. You're hurting, hurting physically, emotionally, mentally. And you've just been waiting for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord to just take it away. I cannot take it anymore. And the list goes on and on and on. Maybe you've been waiting for years for the Lord's deliverance already and you are just tired. You're frustrated and you're about to lose hope. Or even worse, tempted to, make, to take matters into your own hands. And so the psalmist reminds us this morning as the Lord reminds us now. Wait on the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is not a passive type of waiting, but an active one. It is an anticipatory type of waiting, but also patiently seeking the Lord's will. Charles Spurgeon comments on this, and he said, Most of the time, the Christian life is defined by the word walk, run, flee, persevere, that all are in the active, but to wait seems to be in the passive. But waiting in this context in Psalm 27 is active as well as passive, energetic as well as patient. How does one wait confidently, courageously to the Lord? There are four ways that we saw in this passage that can help us actively wait on the Lord. And I will share it to you for those of you who are chatting down. Number one, remember who God is. Verses one to three. Number two, Delight in God's beauty. Verses 4 to 6. 3. Seek God's face. Verses 7 to 12. And number 4. Hope in God alone. Hope in God alone. Verses 13 to 14. Number 1. Remember who God is. Remember who God is. Verses 1 to 3, we can see that though David is going through tough times, he did not let his present situation overwhelm him, but allowed himself to be overwhelmed with who God is by beholding his attributes and characters. Verse 1, he says, The Lord. The Lord here is a name translated means Yahweh. Yahweh is God's personal name. It is the name that the Israelites will remember forever. It is the the self-existing one. The name where the Israelites associate with deliverance and, and, and salvation. He says, the Lord is my light. Or we can read, Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yahweh is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Continuing in verse 1, he said, The Lord is my. He did not say that the Lord is a light, 
or is a means of salvation or a stronghold, but he used the personal pronoun my. This is an expression of a person who personally knows God and is known by God. A person who has a relationship with God. And so he reminds himself who Yahweh is to him. That Yahweh is his light, his salvation, his stronghold, which means all the same thing. That Yahweh is his deliverer. And there is nothing to fear. Now allow me to expound a little bit those three attributes of God to us this morning. Number one, he said, the Lord is my light. Light here is a common metaphor for joy, comfort, and illumination. David here is in a season of darkness where probably faith, his faith and courage are seemingly shaken by fierceness, power, and tons of his enemies. And when fear envelopes our hearts, it causes confusion. It causes uncertainties and doubts. David here reminds himself that God is his guiding light. He will give him illumination. He will give him direction. He will show David his will. God is also my salvation. David, in times of troubles, did not rely on the strength and numbers of his army that probably will fail him or maybe in this context is failing him already. But he reminded himself that the true source of deliverance does not come from men but from God alone. That's why he said in moving back a few chapters in Psalm 20 verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. My Lord, my God, is my stronghold. Not only does he claim God as his protector, but also his refuge. His source of his strength in times of weakness. David reminded himself of who Yahweh is. His guide, his protector, his strength. Yahweh has been faithful in the past, David would think. He will be present in his present situation. And God will be present in the future. I believe what David would say, because God is for me, my enemies will fall. Because God is for me, my heart will be still. Because God is for me, I will be confident in him. Friends, when, when troubles escalate in your lives, when things don't go your way, when temptations are growing strong, and we feel that God is silent, do you remember who God is in your life? If you do, Are you overwhelmed by his excellencies? Or do we allow despair and hopelessness and joylessness to overwhelm us? Christians, in your waiting, have you forgotten who God is in your life? Have you forgotten that God is your light? That God who said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life? 
is that very same God who has taken you out of darkness and placed you into His wonderful light? That you were once people of darkness, but now are light in the Lord? That in times of confusion, He has given you His word as a lamp to your feet and a guide to your path? That He has promised that if you lack wisdom, that you should ask Him who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to you. He is the light of our life. In your waiting, have you forgotten that God is your salvation? When you called upon the name of Jesus, you've been saved. That it is by God's grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not by yourself, it is a gift from God. That you are now a new creation in Christ. That the old has gone and behold the new has come. And that you have been reconciled to God by the Lord Jesus Christ. Have we forgotten about these things? Have you forgotten that God is your strength? When you go through the process of waiting and hurting. That in times of weaknesses helplessness and hopelessness his grace is sufficient for you that his power is made perfect in your weakness and that when you are weak God is strong have we forgotten about these glorious truths about who God is and what he has done in our lives if we are awestricken by God's greatness all of our concerns become insignificantly tiny. Friends, remember who God is. He's your light. He's your salvation. He's your strength. Not only did David remember who God is in his time of waiting, but number two, he delights in God's beauty. Delight in God's beauty. Verse four. One thing I have have I asked of the Lord that will I have seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In the midst of all the troubles that David is facing, he desires only one thing and that one thing is the only thing that matters to him. He desires it so much that he desires nothing else. So what is that one thing? Oh, here it is. To dwell in the house of the Lord. Verse 4, the house of the Lord is a structure that is perceived to be the dwelling place of God. Or where the visible presence of God is expressed. And where worship often took place. David all throughout the psalm always expresses his desire to be in the house of the Lord. 
And it says in Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely God in mercy shall follow, good and goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 26, verse 8, O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 84, verses 1 to 2, How lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord of hosts, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Why? Why does David long to be in the house of the Lord above everything else? Well, verse 4 answers this. Because he wants to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. To inquire in his temple. To gaze upon his beauty means to delight in his beauty. To adore his loveliness. His goodness. To enjoy the sweetness of the fellowship between him and Yahweh. To rejoice in the relationship with God. Friends, in times of turmoil and distress, David waits on the Lord by delighting on him. Enjoying him. In times of chaos, David is worshiping God. In our times of chaos, church, we must worship the Lord. Worshiping the Lord dispels fear and anxiety. Similarly, in Psalm 57, this is also David. David talks about how things are going bad in his situation. How things are not working in accordance to plan and from, from bad to worse, things are just, just wrong. And in Psalm 57, instead of him going to the Lord in petitionary prayer seeking help, what he did is to praise and worship God in the midst of chaos. In Psalm 57, he mentions this twice. In verse 5, He said, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And he repeats it again in verse 11. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Worshiping God in the midst of a crisis. Worshiping the Lord in the middle of a crisis is also an act of dependence. It is an act of dependence. Dependent on the Lord to sustain him, to provide for him, to protect him, knowing that he is his light, strength, and salvation. That's why in verse 5, he boldly proclaims, He will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will, you see that will, will, future tense. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices of shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord, worshiping God. As David waits on the Lord, he longs to be in the house of the Lord to worship Him, to enjoy Him, to delight in Him. 
His heart longs for Yahweh himself and is confident that the Lord will preserve him in the day of trouble. Friends, this is a wonderful reminder to us here in Redeemer when we come to gather every Friday morning in corporate worship. When we come together every Friday morning as a covenant community, we must understand that the central focus why we are gathering is not primarily because of you or me. It's not about our concerns. It's not about our needs, at least not primarily. It's not about getting attention. We gather here as a covenant community it's because of God to worship him we corporately gather together to gaze upon his beauty to behold his wonder to delight in him to worship him to worship him through the corporate reading of his word by singing his word by praying his word and by preaching his word and then and by then speaking to one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs encouraging edifying one another how does one wait confidently courageously in the lord One, remember who God is. Second, delight on God's beauty. Third, seek God's face. Seek God's face. Verses 7 to 12. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off for me, not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. From high praises, the tone now drops to desperate pleas. From delighting on God's presence, now he dreads God's absence. It seems like the Lord has hidden his face from David. In his distress, there were no chariots of fire that came to rescue him. There were no great great big balls of fire that rained down from heaven and consumed his enemies. There were no legions of angels who were ministering beside him. There was an absence of God's presence. At least that's what he thought. David, knowing his sin nature, understand that when God hides his face, he removes his blessings and favor as a sign of displeasure. In God's silence, he felt abandoned. David knows that he has a father and son relationship with God and he seeks the intimacy of that relationship that he's not seeing. His relationship with God the Father is greater than the love of any earthly parent as you see in verse 10. And now he fears that his sins led the Lord to hide his face as a sign of his displeasure. But notice this. In God's silence, when God is silent, it doesn't mean he's absent. 
In God's silence, David didn't curse God. He didn't rebel against God. He didn't throw a tantrum against God. He did not resort to other means. But in his agony, David cries out for the Lord's mercy. He sought God's presence, which is expressed in his prayer in verse 11. Teach me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Verse 12, give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. David here is crying out for God's mercy. He is praying for the Lord's will. He is praying for God's guidance. He desires to do God's will and to once again experience His presence. Friends, when God is silent and when you feel that you don't know what to do, you feel that in the dark, and you just don't know what the next step are, let me give you four quick applications, if that is you. Number one, and you feel if God is silent, pray. Pray for divine instructions and guidance, as we see in verse, verse 11. Pray for divine instructions and guidance. How do you do that? First of all, read God's word. Meditate on God's word. Memorize God's word day and night. Seek God's word in his word. Seek God's will in his word. Because God says in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and guide to my path. Second, guidance. Seek guidance. Reach out to godly men and women here at Redeemer. If, if you have questions, if you're struggling, if you do not know the next step, you feel that God is silent, the elders will be here. Uh, we will be praying and hopefully give wisdom and guidance. As a covenant community, we would like to be part of expressing God's love to you. Pray for divine instructions and guidance. Second, if you think that God is silent and you're hurting, here's an application. Remain faithful and obedient to God who knows all mysteries. Remain faithful and obedient to God who knows all mysteries. You may not know what's going on in your life, but it doesn't mean that God is not working. He is already working even before you realize it. Third, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Fourth, ask God to expose your heart. Ask God to expose your heart from any sin that is entangling you and repent from it. Pray for divine instructions and guidance. Remain faithful and obedient to God who knows all mysteries. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your understanding. And fourth, ask God to expose your heart from any sin that is entangling you and repent. Psalm 139 verses 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How does one confidently, courageously wait on the Lord?
One, remember who God is. Second, delight in God's beauty. Third, seek God's face. And fourth and last, hope in God alone. Hope in God alone. David here concludes his song with great confidence and full of hope in the Lord. Verse 13, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David strongly believes that the Lord will deliver him from his ever-present conflict. Now notice this. He did not say, the Lord will deliver me from all of my enemies in the land of the living. Or did he say, God will answer all of my prayers in the land of the living? What he is really saying is this. I shall gaze upon the goodness in the land, goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. This means that regardless that God delivers him from his present predicament or not, he will continue to trust and put his hope on the Lord. He will hope on God's goodness. He will continue to hope in God's sovereignty. He will continue to hope in God's faithfulness. Friends, if you're here today and you've been praying and praying and waiting and waiting and waiting and all of a sudden that prayer has been broken by an answer from the Lord. And the answer of the Lord is no. Christians, we will continue to hope in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 is known to be the hall of fate. There are listed men and women who have placed their faith and hope to Yahweh and waited on Him. And and a lot of them were rewarded by Yahweh. To mention a few, Abraham trusted and placed his hope in the Lord for a son, waited on the Lord for 25 years, and then Isaac was born. And Abraham became Abraham and became the father of many nations. He waited on the Lord. Noah trusted and placed his hope in the Lord, built an ark and waited for 120 years before it flooded And that ark saved them. He waited on the Lord. Rahab the prostitute trusted and placed her hope in the God of Israel. By giving friendly welcome to the spies. In return for her and her family's safety. She waited. She waited on the Lord. And when the Israelites came and attacked Jericho, she was spared. This and many other known heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11 who trusted the Lord, waited on the Lord, had conquered kingdoms, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, and women received their dead. These people waited on the Lord and they were blessed. That should be an encouragement. But there were also others they called the nameless faithful or the nameless saints who also had placed their faith and hope in the Lord who waited on Yahweh. But as a result, some waited on the Lord and were tortured. 
Some waited on the Lord and suffered mocking, beating, were chained and imprisoned. Some who waited on the Lord were stoned to death and were sawn in two. Wait a minute, but why? These people hoped in the Lord. The Lord should bless them. What's going on? Are they not faithful in waiting on the Lord? I think they were. Are they not trusting and placing their hope in you? I think they were. Why? Because friends, these men and women had learned to be held the goodness of the Lord. To gaze in His beauty. They were awestricken by God's greatness that in the middle of their predicaments, all of these problems are insignificantly tiny to them. Because they were hoping to be resurrected to a better life that God has promised them. A better life than that world then. They were all longing for that eternal dwelling place of the Lord in His presence forever. Friends, where do your hope lie? If your hopes lie on the things where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, then you are setting yourself up to a big, a lot of despair. As you wait on the Lord, we hope on Him, not of the things of this world. When we wait on the Lord, we don't put our our trust, our security in our jobs, not on our dreams, not on our plans, not on our bank accounts, not even in our relationships, not even our health. Because all of them can fail you, all of them can rot, all of them can be destroyed, all of them can die. As believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we put our hope in no one else but Jesus' blood and His righteousness. Hope in the Lord. That's why David boldly says, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Wait on the Lord, a courage that's not coming from them, but a courage that's coming from the Lord. The strength that's coming from the Lord. Well, you know what? It's not easy waiting on the Lord. That's the truth. (laughs) It's not easy waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is a command coming from God. And like any other command, no one can perfectly fulfill it. In fact, our sinful nature hates waiting. Especially waiting on the Lord. We want what we want, when we want it, how we wanted it. And if we don't get it, we want, if we don't get what we want, we get irritated, infuriated, and take matters into our own hands. We want to be in control. Our impatient hearts idolizes our own needs, desires, and cravings. It worships no one else except himself. And since God commands that we worship no one else but Him alone, we have violated God's holiness. We deserve judgment. But instead of punishing us as our sin deserves, God sends His Son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life and was judged by the Father on the cross in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. 
and has risen from the dead for our justification. And if anyone who repents from their sins puts their faith in Christ's finished work on the cross, their sins shall be forgiven. Friends, the gospel is where we should place our hopes in. Friends, this is where we should place our hopes, the risen Christ. We should continue to place our hopes in God alone. As you wait, continue to trust the Lord. Let us pray. Father, thank you for giving us a reason to hope. Last week, we celebrated Christmas. When Christ came, hope came to this world. Thank you, Father, for your kindness, for sending your Son, who did not remain as a child, but marched to the cross, died for our sins. And now we have an eternal hope waiting for us in your presence. But as we wait, Lord, as we still dwell in this earthly dwelling, we pray, Father, help us to be faithful. Help us to acknowledge that you are the God who is in control and not us. So we put our faith in you as we wait. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.